brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is the Buffalo Blitz podcast right here on the built-in Buffalo network, and I am your host, Peter DiBiase. Guys, welcome back to the second episode of the Buffalo Blitz podcast on the built-in Buffalo network. You guys can find us on Apple podcast and on Spotify. And last week, if you guys haven't checked that episode out, we broke down three bargain free agents that I think the Bills should bring in on the offensive side of the ball today on our second episode on this Monday, because obviously every episode comes out on Monday. We are joined by a special guest, Judge Mathis. He is the host of the Air Raid Hour on the Cover One YouTube channel and Cover One Network. So, Judge, thank you for coming on, man. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Any chance I get to talk bills, uh, I'm more than happy to do so. And before we get started, where can they find you? Because I know you're you're big on the Twitter, the Air Raid Hour on Twitter. I yeah. follow them, and I'm, I'm I see maybe six, seven <laughs> tweets a day. I mean, that's probably that's probably uh, undershooting. It, it might it, be. So. It might be an hour at this point. Uh, yeah, I tell people all the time, Twitter is both the reason why I probably need a therapist and my therapist at the same time. Um, <laughs> it is my social media of choice. You can find our show account at The Bills Guys. Very simple. Used to be the name of our show before we got the old cease and desist from the Buffalo Bills. Now we're the Air Raid Hour. You can catch us every uh, Monday and Thursday night on the Cover One Sports Network, 9 p.m., talking Buffalo Bills. And my personal handle uh, which I use less often uh, as the days and years have gone on is at Judge Mathis. Okay, perfect. And then you do some great draft stuff and some free agency stuff. So guys, if you guys want to check them out on Twitter and on the Cover One YouTube channel. So uh, episodes Mondays and Thursdays, correct? Yes, sir. So yeah, guys, check them out if you haven't checked them out yet. But guys, this is the Buffalo Blitz podcast. And I appreciate you guys tuning in. So we're going to start and we're going to stay on the defensive side of the ball, guys. And we're going to focus on some free agents that we think the Bills should potentially bring back that are already on the earth that were on the team last year, as well as some free agents on the defensive side of the ball that we think we should bring in from the outside. But because we do an episode once a week and I like to talk about some Bills news that happens, and obviously it's a little slow right now because everything's rumors and rumors, but Siren Neal, safety for the Buffalo Bills, was brought back on a three-year, $10.9 million contract. Obviously, he was one of the our, one of our key special teamers and PFF judge said he had 85.1 overall grade, which is a career high as a special teamer and also 12 total tackles as a career high. So what do you, what are your thoughts about bringing him back on a, that three-year contract? You know, initially when I saw the number uh, was it $10.9 million, I was a little bit upset by that because, you know, everyone has a different opinion on how an NFL roster should be constructed. I obviously don't, I'm not a firm believer that you should invest too much monetarily on one-dimensional players. Uh, Tyler Madikavich, Saran Neal. Uh, we have a bunch of other guys, Taiwan Jones, Tyrell Dodson, Andre Smith, Jaquan Johnson. The number of really mostly special teams only players with very little offensive mm-hmm. or defensive upside as it seems like it's grown and grown and grown over the years for the Buffalo Bills. And I understand that we have entrenched starters, but 
as a team now that's going to have to start paying some of those entrenched starters more money, I'd like to start fostering some depth that would be more able to play defense if called upon or guys who can groom to be played defensive roles. I really question whether Saran Neal will ever have a defensive role. He started as a safety here. Then he moved to nickel corner. Then he moved to boundary corner. Now he's back to sort of a nickel corner. Um, So really he hasn't been able to find a role on defense. Now, a couple of things to note, it's up to $10.9 million. So a lot of those incentives could be incentives that he'll never make. We got to wait. The devil is in the details to see what the details of the contract are. Brandon Bean has proven time and time again that he can be a wizard with some of these deals. And number two was he said in his press conference, like, I wasn't going to come back here unless I was given more of a role on defense. And he sort of part of the negotiation was the Buffalo Bills are going to give him more of a role on defense. So you might see Saran Neal next year used as sort of the thick dime or come in for Teron Johnson playing some big nickel, et cetera. So you might see Saran Neal on defense more next year playing maybe that role that he did against the Kansas City Chiefs when Matt Milano was out. Uh, And he had a little bit of success against guys like Travis Kelsey. Yeah, because I was thinking, I kind of agree on the sense that if we're going to, we're going to pay a special it, – well, it's tough to pay a lot of special teamers because obviously mm. you have to worry about, like you said, you got to pay the offensive side of the balls. The guys that start that, kept, that pay uh, most of 90 95% of the downs, obviously special teamers don't do that, as well as defensive side of the ball. So, Siren Neal. And I know they kind of worked out him a little in preseason. And I believe it was preseason at corner. And I don't know if mm-hmm. that's really the spot he would ever want to play. Um, as a, like We could use him as a – the big nickel, because that's what you just mentioned. And we haven't really used a lot of mm-hmm. big nickel because Tyron Johnson and Tyron Johnson's been great, but he's he's not he's not huge. That's that's for sure. So I think Siren Neal, a big nickel could be a total uh, yeah, a, I mean that option, he's but he's listed on he he's no longer a safety. He's listed on the Buffalo Bills roster and depth chart as a cornerback. And um in the preseason, he was taking snaps even on the outside at boundary, which I kind of reminds me of Aaron Williams back in the day when Aaron Williams was playing on the boundary. Like you could tell like that dude can't turn and run uh, with the best of them. Um, But inside, um, you know, he probably has a a role he can play as a depth piece to this football team, certain packages. Brandon Bean has called him the best tackler on the football team. And Isaiah McKenzie has called him the fastest player on the football team, which kind of makes him a really good gunner. Um, and those traits can be used elsewhere on the team, uh, but they've yet to really find a, a real niche for him on defense. Like I said, started as safety, moved to boundary corner, then he went into nickel corner. So he's been bouncing around the depth chart for the Buffalo Bills. Really, his only real home has been special teams. Yeah, and obviously, I think he might be our key or our best special teamer. Obviously, we have a Tower Dotson we brought back, but I feel like Tower Dotson, in my opinion, is going to be that third linebacker if they don't want to bring in another linebacker because I feel like AJ Klein screams of cup candidate. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know what your thoughts about that because we brought, did bring back Tyler Dotson. I know you just mentioned yeah. talking about, uh, we bring in a lot of specialty. We, we're paying some uh, key special teamers. I'll tell you what, like, listen, I, I, I would prefer AJ Klein gets cut this off season. Again, I'm a little bit more cold hearted when it comes to, to roster construction. I understand that these people are, you know, there's, there's a, there's a locker room and there's a culture and there's relationships and yeah. all these things. But I mean, if I, if it were me, you can't be paying AJ Klein $6 million to be your third linebacker when he only plays in base packages. And then you can't pay Ty- Tyler Maticavich $3 million 
uh, to be another special teams ace when you're apparently paying Saran Neal now probably upwards of of $3 million too. So to me, both Tyler Matikiewicz and uh, AJ Klein would be obvious cut candidates, but I just yeah. don't know if that's Brandon Bean's MO. I think what you're going to see is before free agency kicks off or maybe into the free agency period, if AJ Klein gets cut, I don't know what his options would be on the free agent market. And I think he's aware of that. Uh, Tyler Matikiewicz, if he gets cut, I don't think he I, – I think he has an understanding where the Buffalo Bills paid him a lot of money because the Buffalo Bills were really bad at special teams and wanted to correct their unit overnight, and they did. They corrected that unit in offseason. Um, what other teams are going to be willing to pay AJ Klein? What other teams are going to be paying Tyler Matikiewicz um, more than a Buffalo Bills pay cut? So if Tyler Matikiewicz and AJ Klein cut their salaries in half, you know, AJ Klein goes from like $6 million down to $3 million or 2.5. Tyler Matikiewicz goes from 3 to 1.5. If they're willing to take a pay cut, I think you're more than likely to see those two stay on the team uh, with a pay cut than you were than you will be to see them outright released. Because I just don't think that's Brandon Bean's MO. No, I, I completely agree. And, and what do you so if the Bills do go in the direction of potentially, I know it's not Brandon Bean's MO mm. um, of cutting Klein more importantly, because Tower Mikavich, he's not, he doesn't play legit defensive snaps. Do you think snap? Do you think Dodson could slide in and be that uh, third linebacker in certain packages? Because we don't run a lot could. of three linebacker yeah. packages. It's that, usually it's Maine and it's Milano. And like you're right, paying six million dollars for Klein to play, I don't know, I'm throwing a number out, fifteen to twenty percent of the snaps. Even that's it. Maybe, maybe that might be too much per game. That's a lot of money. So Dodson and mm. I, do we ever get the money on Dodson's contract? No, we, we haven't gotten remember. the money yet. It's probably it's probably just a one year deal for like one one point five yeah. million, it's, something it's, in that range. It's not six million. Of yeah, what have it's not close not to what six is million, yeah, so. close to what is ERFA tender would have been is is most likely uh, what uh-huh. happened there. Maybe maybe a little bit of bit more just to give him uh, just sort of a little bit of a bonus for um, you know signing early. But to me, Tyrell Dodson filled in pretty admirably. Like there, there was a time what two years ago we were pretty hard up. Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds were dealing with injuries. Tyrell Dodson stepped in. He had a couple of good games. That Miami game comes to memory. But as the third linebacker, A.J. Klein missed that Patriots game, that Monday night football game against the Patriots with COVID. And Tyrell Dodson was, no offense, one of the reasons why we struggled uh, to stop Mm -hmm. the New England Patriots running attack. So as a third linebacker, Tyrell Dodson wasn't playing so hot. So as a Matt Milano substitute in like two linebacker packages, I have faith in a guy like Tyrell Dodson uh, to maybe have some upside on defense, but to play that AJ Klein role as the base third linebacker thumper, that would be more where a Tyler Matikiewicz or an Andre Smith, or maybe even a Joe Giles Harris might have to come into play unless Tyrell Dodson really steps up his game over the off season. Cause he really was the, one of the weak links in that Patriots game of Monday football. No, I agree. I think I agree with the sense that Dodson can slide into be that second linebacker, like you said, in front of Milano, but not being that third. Because usually when that third linebacker comes on, it's more of a, a run-heavy a run yeah. heavy set on defense. And I think Agent Klein did fine on a run-heavy set defense this year. Like, he wasn't mm-hmm. anything like – we're not going to, like, have an episode just about Agent Klein. We're not going to have a whole tweet just about Agent Klein. So he's not that guy. But he was solid. But the problem is – and I agree with you. We sometimes have to be cold-hearted in this industry, especially Brandon Bean. Mm-hmm. And that's why Brandon Bean gets the big bucks because – Obviously, Klein has a family, and like we don't want to tell, we don't want to like scream for the guy to like lose all his money and get cut. But six million dollars to just be kind of a run stopper in that third linebacker—it's a lot of money just for mm-hmm. 
where we have, and we're not in the best cap situation. And we've been in better in years past, but obviously when you get better, you're going to get, you got to pay guys. It's just how yeah. football works. Like we're not the saints, but we're not, we're not the jets with 60, $70 million in cap space. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, AJ Klein cutting, cutting is either even two or three. Cause I don't think AJ Klein can get north of three on the market. Yeah, no, I don't think he could either. I think, I think that's where when you're Brandon Bean, you sit him down and be like, Hey, I know we signed this contract, but only 500, like 700 K of it or something like that is guaranteed. So you're mm-hmm. like, I cut you, I cut you, you make $700,000. And you get to go test the market or you can stay here, keep that $700,000 and just cut your non guarantees from, you know, 5 million down to 2 million to make 2.7, make $3 million. That might be something more in line with what the Buffalo bills might have in mind. And I think that's something that AJ Klein would be open to because I mean, he's comfortable here. He's clearly comfortable with the team, the locker room, the coaching staff, et cetera. So to me, I don't think AJ Klein's the kind of guy who's going to want to take his 700 K and go test the market. I just, I can't envision AJ Klein or his agent uh, really being really open to that. Cause I think if his agent put out feelers, the kind of contract offers he'd be getting would more than likely be about what his pay cut would be with the Buffalo Bills. So why not just stay? I completely agree. So guys kind of, we'll kind of keep going in this direction. And just a reminder guys, you listen to the Buffalo Blitz podcast on the built in Buffalo network on Apple podcasts and Spotify. So I want to judge, I want to talk about some of the in-house free agents that we could potentially um, bring back. So I'm going to list them out and then you give me one or two and I'll give you, mm-hmm. I'll give you one or two that we potentially could bring back. So we got obviously Siren Neal. He's back. So he was on my list, but obviously he's coming back. You got Levi Wallace. You got Vernon Butler, Harrison Phillips, Brian Cox, Jr. Ife Obata, Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes. And then Justin Zimmer is a restricted. He's an RFA. So restricted free agent. So out of those just give me one or two we can talk about. What do you what are your thoughts of bringing any of them yeah. back? Like Hughes or Addison? And like, do we really need to bring anybody back? I don't think you need to bring anyone back because if you truly do let them test the market, I think that there are capable replacements in free agency for every single guy that you lose. Like as much as we all love Harrison Phillips, you have guys on the free agent market, fully Fadakasi. Um, you know, Derek Nottie, Sebastian Joseph Day. There are other guys who you can go after that can do what Harrison Phillips can do. Be that one tech next to Ed Oliver. Be really a first and second down guy, but be sort of limited in passing situations. Levi Wallace, very good cornerback number two, solid, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, really good in zone. Um, even his man-to-man numbers in the advanced analytics have improved year after year after year. You can always upgrade on Levi Wallace and go draft an alpha in the first round, but you can also go find guys in free agency, and there's at least a half dozen of them, starting at the top with Casey Hayward, Steve Nelson, Dante Jackson, guys like Robert Alford, Akila Witherspoon, Sidney Jones. There are other dudes in free agency you can, you can um, chase at corner. I can't believe I'm going to say this unless you're willing to chase an alpha at defensive end. And really there aren't that many on the list. The only real edge rusher that I like in this class uh, for the Buffalo bills is Emmanuel Agba. Unless you're willing that's, that's to, what I wrote down. Yeah. Unless you're willing to go chase a whale, like an Agba or a Chandler Jones, who I'm not personally a fan of either Jerry Hughes or Mario Addison to sort of solidify your defensive end rotation and keep a veteran in your defensive line rotation might be the number one guy to bring back as weird as that sounds, because you got Rousseau, you got Epinesa, you got Basham, 
you want to give them their reps and you want to sort of the analogy I use is the movie, the other guys, Mark Wahlberg, I'm a peacock captain. You gotta let me fly. At some point you gotta let some of these <laughs> young guys spread their wings and go out there and do their thing. But you'd at least like to have one veteran ish guy in that rotation. You could probably get Jerry Hughes for $6 million. You can probably get Mario Addison for $4 million to at least have one veteran in that rotation. Agba's going to cost you $12, 13000000 million. Chandler Jones is going to cost you $12, 13000000 million. You might be able to bring that cap hit down in the first year into the $8, 9000000 million range, but it's going to cost you into the future. A guy like uh, even um, Melvin Ingram, probably going to cost you $7, 8000000 million. So in terms of cost effectiveness, you can replace a guy like Harrison Phillips with an equal – with an equal or close to within the margin of error free agent at defensive tackle for around the same price. Same with Levi Wallace. I don't know if you can say the same for edge rusher. So believe it or not, I'm going to say Jerry Hughes would be the number one guy that I would want to bring back on a one year, four to $6 million deal. I completely agree. And I feel like I agree with the sense that look, Russo, Basham and Epinenta. We took Epinenta. We took Basham in the second round. We took Russo in the first round. One of them has to pop. You would assume mm-hmm. one of them would have to be a legit defensive end. My bet would have to be Rousseau. I don't know what your thoughts on that quickly, which one of those three would pop. I think it has to be Rousseau. Yeah, I mean, 100% Rousseau's got to pop, but I think Rousseau is always going to be a length and strength guy over there on the left-hand side. Like, you drafted him to be a length and strength guy. You didn't draft him to be a bendy edge. In order to get Correct. to the quarterback, you need you need a, AJ Epinesa to, to figure out what – we got to figure out what's going on there. We got to figure out what the issue is. Is it, does he need to put 10 pounds back on and become a strength guy again? Uh, Does he just need more time to refine his technique as a 255 pounder? Uh, The Buffalo Bills just need to figure out what's going on with AJ Vanessa and fix that. Uh, And I think Boogie Basham needs to slim down a little bit too. probably get down from like 275 down to about 265. So getting Basham and Epinesa figured out, I think would be my top two, because even if Rousseau only progresses slightly, you're still getting a pretty solid contributor there at the left end, just that length and strength run stuffer who gives you a little bit of pop uh, pass rushing. No, I agree. And I think, I don't think we saw enough of Basham to give a complete, complete, like mm-hmm. fair grade. And Epinenza, that was like, that was weird because I remember in the beginning of the year, Epinenza was, he had all those pressures. I remember going on Twitter, I don't know, whoever tweeted it. Oh, he has this not many pressures and this is ranked in this top half of the league. And then he yeah. just kind of, kind of forgot about him that he existed because he really didn't do anything like pressures are all good i'm also sick of hearing how good are how good we're getting into the quarterback with pressures and then just looking at our sack total and just not being mm-hmm. satisfied that annoys me because like pressures are all good and but like you got to get to the quarterback and you got to get the quarterback on the ground so but jerry hughes yeah. has to be i think either hughes or addison just i agree with the veteran status mm-hmm. and have been here been in the league enough to help these young guys because if not then you're relying on a lot of young guys unless you want to bring in Emmanuel Agba or Chandler Jones and mm-hmm. like, like you said that's going to cost to, 12 13 to me, million dollars to me and there's a number of ways you can approach free agency right bring Jerry Hughes back bring Harrison Phillips back bring Levi Wallace back and then just draft best player available to come in and compete you could do some combination of that like go out and chase an edge like Chandler Jones or Emmanuel Agba re-sign Harrison Phillips and then draft a corner in the first round like there's a number of different ways you can go to me. If you're the Buffalo bills and you want to improve the pass rush, it's not about the players playing the edge in my opinion, because you said the pressure numbers are there. It's not like these guys are getting there and they're whiffing at the quarterback, right? The quarterback is getting the ball out yeah. of his hands quickly. And that's why the quarterback isn't getting sacked. If you want to fix that, you got to make the quarterback hold onto the ball longer. Uh, so in my opinion, 
what needs to be addressed is you need to address defensive tackle. You need more guys who can two gap that way. When teams spread you out, they can't run the ball down your throat. We saw the Kansas city chiefs absolutely gash us in the running game. Whenever we dropped guys back into coverage uh, in that playoff game, right? We have a light box. They just Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Jarek McKinnon were averaging like five yards pop. They were going off on us because we didn't have those two gapping defensive tackles cornerbacks who are man to man versatile. So you can press guys at the line of scrimmage, right? Like, our defense is getting pressure. The quarterback is dumping it off to the wide receiver. The wide receiver is getting tackled for a four-yard loss or for a four-yard gain on third and 10, they punt. So it looks bad because we're not getting a sack, but really we're forcing a punt. So if you want to get sacks, they were getting there. You need guys who are going to be able to allow the linebackers and corners to drop back into coverage without having to look back at the running back. And you're going to need cornerbacks who can get more physical with the wide receivers, the line of scrimmage. Those are the ways in which you can get the quarterback to hold onto the ball longer and get some of those sacks. 100%. 100% agree. Yeah. Our run defense, when we don't have enough guys in the boxes, I would say suspect. It just doesn't make sense. Suspect. It doesn't make sense what we're doing. Like, everyone wants to rip on Tremaine Emmons or even Matt Milano or Teron Johnson, but it's like, I mean, they're just swallowed up. Like, like, do you want Tremaine Emmons to bash through three defenders like the Kool-Aid man and go sack the running back? Like, is that what we're 100%. expecting him to do? It's it's insane. I'm not saying the I'm man's a, yeah, without big, flaw, a, flaws, but. <laughs> no, 100%. Yeah. I'm a big Tremaine Emmons guy. I'm a Virginia Tech football fan since I was really little. So I love Tremaine Emmons. I have signed jersey from him. I love the guy. Um, And I think he could be really good in the league. But I agree. I think he does get criticism. And I think everybody deserves criticism. And he gets criticism rightfully so because – Sometimes mm-hmm. he gets swallowed up. He runs to the wrong side. His eyes aren't great sometimes. But I agree, like, our interior, the linemen don't create enough havoc or enough – not even yeah. don't even put enough scare in the other team's offense. Because I think most teams think they can just run up the middle against us. And like you mm-hmm. said, Tremaine Evans can't go through three guys. Like, that he's not he's not Superman. Like, he's just, just, just not going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like the D, our D tackles just don't like. Vernon Butler is not coming back. I don't think we ever need to see Vernon Butler nope. in a Bills jersey. We again. just need to re, we just need to reset after Phillips and after at Oliver. Like I'm okay with bringing Justin Zimmer back and letting him compete for like DT four or DT five. But I mean, yeah. a couple of years ago we went in and we whiffed on Vernon Butler, and technically we whiffed on Quentin Jefferson. I don't think we whiffed on Quentin Jefferson. I think Starlo Lele being a bum, uh, sort of. Uh, uh, hurt our plans for Quentin Jefferson, but between whiffing on star between whiffing on Vernon Butler, between technically whiffing on Quentin Jefferson. I mean, that's rough. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of investment. And that's a lot of guys who aren't contributing. We just got to reset it. Like star is not going to be back next year. We're just going to have to swallow that whether he retires or whether we let him go. Like he's just not available. You can't trust him. Vernon Butler's gone. Yeah. Quentin Jefferson's obviously been gone. Um, bring Harrison Phillips back, but I would be fine with, we, we, I've been on having a conversation with people on Twitter all day today. Oh, we got to draft Jordan Davis. If he's there at 25, we got to draft Jordan Davis. And then other people are like, well, he's just a two down player. You can't draft a two down player at 25. And people are arguing going back and forth and back and forth on Twitter. There's no argument. If in free agency on the first day, we go and re-sign Harrison Phillips and then go out and sign Derek Nadi of the Kansas city chiefs and bring them both in. Right. If our defensive tackles, one, two, three yeah. are Ed Oliver, Harrison Phillips, Derek Nadi, right. Those are our three top defensive tackles. The conversation is no longer do we need Jordan Davis. It's let's go take a receiver. Let's go take a really physical, aggressive cornerback who can play man-to-man coverage. Like the options open up and the options change. Let's go take the best edge rusher on the board at 25. The options change immensely 
with with two free agent signings, one re-signing, one veteran who's actually proven he can do something in this league and is not going to cash his check and check out like Vernon Butler did when he signed with the Buffalo Bills. And I Starla Tula, to be honest. <laughs> I, put a tw- I put a tweet out February 14th after watching the Super Bowl and seeing what Aaron Donald did. I am on board of taking either Devontae Wyatt two, or Jordan Davis at two, 25. Two years, two years ago, Vita Vey, right? Vita Vey was, finger quotes, yeah. a two-down defensive tackle at Washington. Everyone sort of laughed at the Buccaneers for taking him at 14th overall. Jason Pierre-Paul, um, the Shaq Barrett, uh, the two linebackers there, like they were getting to the quarterback. They were making Pat Mahomes' life a living hell in that Super Bowl because of what Vita Vey was doing in the middle of that defense. Vita Vey opened up the rest of that defense and allowed everyone else to be the best version of themselves. So whether that's Harrison Phillips or whether that's Derek Nadi, whether that's Jordan Davis, some combination of the three, uh, any other free agent out there, any other draft pick out there, we got to go and find some defensive tackles who can, who can two gap, who can let the guys around them, Edmonds, Volano, whoever the edge rushers are, Teron Johnson, when he's in the box, be the best damn version of themselves. We got to find that to me. That's our number one need this off season. No, I completely agree. And look, I, I agree. Like we might not have to take a guy, a D tackle at 25, mm-hmm. or we could take, we could wait to the second or the third round. But if you show up that interior of the defensive line, you show up the edge rush, you show up the front, the front line on the defense. I don't think it really matters who you bring back as, in the, as a cornerback, because I think if you can get after the quarterback and make it more disruptive, I think mm-hmm. I trust Sean McDermott with our secondary more than I trust Sean McDermott yeah. Frazier with our front seven. A hundred percent. I mean, you do need to add some bodies there, right? Like you don't want to, you don't want to be in a situation where your top two corners heading into 2022 are Dane Jackson and Cam Lewis, right? Like no, you're going to want to, you're going to, even if it's a bottom feeder free agent, like a, an Aquila Willerspoon or a Sidney Jones, or even if you get even down further, like a Kyle Fuller or a Xavier Rhodes, and even like drafting another guy in the third or fourth or fifth round. Like uh, if we sure up our defensive line and our defensive line is lights out. I'm okay with that in our secondary. Cause I think we can patchwork and make it work until Trey white gets back and then we'll be fine. But um, you know, if we think we fix the defensive line, but in reality, it's just another Vernon Butler star situation. We're royally screwed <laughs> if we don't oh, go out yeah. and, you know, use a first round pick on a cornerback. No, I would love, I would love if the bills, if we think and sure up the defensive lineman, and we think they bring in guys, that are legit. We're not bringing another. We're not bringing in two more Vernon Butlers because nobody wants to see that again. But if they yeah. do show up the defensive line, you could. And I would love this. Use the first round pick on a receiver or or best player available, whatever you want to do. Receiver because mm-hmm. I think that would be awesome. And then use your second or third round pick on a corner, as well as bringing in either like a Rasul Douglas or a Trenavarius Ward, or even if you want to pay a little more for Dante Jackson. But somebody mm-hmm. like I would love to bring in a veteran free agent um, corner. Have obviously Trey White coming back off the injury and drafting a corner, um, either in, in somewhere on day two. I think that would be something because then you have obviously you have Trey White, who's going to come back and be your number one mm-hmm. corner. Hopefully, you're going to have a guy that we took in the second or third round, so we obviously are high on that corner. Um, hopefully, maybe like an Andre Booth or obviously like Sauce Garner is not going to be there, but somebody somebody mm. like that. Um, and then you bring in a veteran corner to kind of kind of battle with the rookie because you don't want to just hand a rookie a job. Um, yeah. So you have a veteran guy that battles in on a one-year, maybe two-year contract, and I think that would be awesome because we need a third corner. And obviously that would 
get rid of Levi Wallace because I think Levi Wallace would be too expensive if you wanted mm-hmm. to do that. What are your thoughts of that? Bringing drafting a guy in day two and, and also bringing in maybe not the top veteran corner, but a mid tier veteran corner. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no confidence in Trey White to be starting week one. So to me, you got to bring in a veteran, whether it's re signing Levi whether it's going after an older player like a Xavier Rhodes or a Steven Nelson or a Casey Hayward on a one-year deal, maybe a Bryce Callahan on a one-year deal, or uh, chasing a Dante Jackson or chasing a Sidney Jones who might be cheaper than Levi Wallace, who knows how the market is going to settle. You got to bring in at least one veteran and then you got to bring in at least one draft pick um, somewhere probably in rounds. If you don't go in the first round rounds somewhere round two to five, it's a deep cornerback class. And so knowing Sean McDermott and knowing the way that they coach up defensive backs, you could probably get a guy in the fifth round who probably in other years could have been a third yeah. round pick. Um, just like Dane Jackson was taking the seventh round, probably could have been a fifth round pick. Uh, Levi Wallace was a UDFA, probably could have been a fifth or a sixth round pick. So you're going to want to have mm-hmm. Dane Jackson, a rookie and a veteran to start the season. Um, obviously I, I like Dane Jackson. I don't have faith in Dane Jackson. I think a rookie. So a rookie and Dane Jackson fight out for one spot. The veteran gets the other spot. And then when Trey White comes back week eight, Trey White gets inserted in the lineup and whoever was playing better, the veteran or the rookie is who becomes CB2. I mean, it's that simple. So if it's the rookie, it's like, awesome. Yeah. The rookie got it. We cut the veteran in the offseason. We also have the veteran there as a dev PC before. If it's a veteran, you just put the rookie back on the pine. You continue to let him develop. Um, you know, behind the scenes. So to me, you need a veteran and a rookie uh, to add to this cornerback room. Uh, and that veteran could easily be Levi Wallace if the market dictates that he's the, the, the best, the best available offer. I agree. You could also see the bills being worrisome of obviously the Trey white injury and keeping a Levi just because he's, mm-hmm. he's Levi might here. be the cheapest. He knows the system. He, yeah, well, I, look, he, I he, know uh, his market has, it, what is it, 11 million? Is it oh, 9.5? It's 9. just 5. total. I, I don't know. I don't think he gets 9.5 on the I, market. I don't want to disparage anyone, but like, I, I have no idea how the hell Mike Chinetti came up with that number. It's absolutely ludicrous. Like, it's absolutely insane. If Levi Wallace gets 9.5 AAV, I'll eat my words. But to me, that's just foolish. You can't call yourself a salary cap expert. And set that as the market value for Levi Wallace. That's silly. That's silly. No, I agree. He's not going to get that. I think he'll get he six. It, good six, for him. Six, go six to eight. Six to eight. Yeah. yeah. And he'll get six I to agree. eight. And it, it, this could be a situation where I understand that he had a better season this year. And especially when Trey White was out, he stepped up again. The Buffalo Bills didn't tender Levi Wallace last year. And he had no other offers. He came back here for $1.5 million. No one wanted to offer Levi Wallace three, three years, $9 million. No one, no one came in with a better offer for Levi Wallace last year when we didn't tender him when he's been our CB two for two years now, on a, yeah. on a, what's been a pretty decent defense. I mean, come on. Um, no, so I, I, I just can't imagine. A, like again, I don't want to you know put down another content creator, et cetera. But that number is just so silly, and I have no idea how he came up with that number. And it's just so foolish. It's just, uh, it, it, it. It angers me when I see it because it's just not, in my opinion, not realistic. I agree. Like if Levi Wallace gets nine point nine million, ten million on the market, you know what? Good for him. Yes, yeah. he deserves I'll take, it. I'll, I'll, I'll take, take it. I'll take Sidney Jones for six, and he'll probably be just as good. Like, yeah. So like, look, if we if Levi Wallace gets offered ten million, take it. 
just take it yeah. and leave. And we wish you the best of luck wherever you go. But no, I agree. Look, like you said, one year, 1.5, nobody else wanted all from one year, two, like 2.5, three. Mm-hmm. Like you, you couldn't even get a one year. Th- like, so I think Levi Wallace has been very good. So I do think like a two year, what about two year, $10 million contract for Levi? Like that would be perfect. Around the five, yeah. $6 million range. Both Harrison Phillips and Levi Wallace, I think, could end up back in Buffalo for a really reasonable rate. We all were convinced Matt Milano was out of here, right? We, last oh, yeah, season, I remember that. We, 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 I spent, I spent all of, uh, I spent all of January doing hours and hours of work on the linebacking cl- linebacker class in the draft, and I had to throw it all in the garbage. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> at, at the end of February, so. You know, if, if, if you're the Buffalo Bills uh, and you're a Bills fan, I can easily envision a scenario where before free agency kicks off, Harrison Phillips is back here somewhere in the four to six AAV range. Levi Wallace is back here somewhere in the four to six AAV range. And Jerry Hughes is back here somewhere in the four to six AAV range. And then the Buffalo Bills still have money to go out and sign one splash free agent, whether it's an offensive lineman or um, a skill position player or another defensive tackle like the Buffalo Bills could re-sign those three and probably still have money to play with. So um, it, it should be interesting. No, I completely agree. And I think, yeah, the Moana, I remember Moana last, obviously I remember uh, it was mm-hmm. not even a year ago um, or just about a year ago. Yeah. I thought he was, I thought he was long gone. And I agree. We were doing, people were doing research and trying to find. Mike, Jan- Mike Janice, he was going to make, Mike Janice, he was going to make like $14 million or something. He, he ended up getting eight. Yeah, no. So Spotrack had about like 14 million. (laughs) Oh, Spotrack. I like Spotrack because it has all the information, but their website's Mm -hmm. tough to use because with all the ads and all that fun stuff, uh, it just ruins ruins my. I was trying to do a podcast last week and I just couldn't. I was in the middle of recording and my computer just stopped working because of that. Yeah, I have to use a separate uh, computer. I have to use a separate computer. (laughs) Okay, before I let you go, before we wrap up the second episode of the Buffalo Blitz podcast, um, guys, if you guys have, we're, we just broke down some of the bills in-house free agents that potentially could be back. We also talked about the Siren Neal um, contract and him coming back. But Judge, one free agent outside of Orchard Park that you would want you would want the Bills to bring in. Um, I'm gonna go. Oh, this is tough. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh... I'm not going to go splashy here. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Daquan Jones of the Carolina Panthers. And I know Carolina Panthers defensive tackle, it's going to scare people away, but um, I think he's a guy who you can sign along with Harrison Phillips, someone you can get in the three, $4 million range. And he's just going to, he's going to hold up against double teams in the running game. He's been durable throughout his entire career, even before he got to Carolina uh, in his previous stints. Um, you know, he's not a pass rusher from the interior. But he's just a guy who's going to eat up the two gaps. He's going to stuff the run. And he's just going to give our defense a spine, right? Like, I just want some guys. So it's a combination of Harrison Phillips and Daquan Jones. Just give this defense a spine um, and and allow the linebackers to be the best version of themselves. Allow Teron Johnson a little bit more room to roam when he comes down into the box, into these light boxes and things that we do. I really do think that defensive tackle, two of them, and Harrison Phillips can be one of the two. We need two big ones, two impact ones. Um, as good as Ed Oliver is, we need two impact ones. 
um, this offseason, and I think that will fix a lot of what ails this football team. And not many things like ail this football team. Not many things ail this football <laughs> team. They're very good. I like it. My, yeah, they're, they're a very good team. I know we nitpicked them a lot, but you know what? That's what we get to do as content creators as well as uh, fans. One guy I would to answer my own question to bring in. He's also on the Carolina Panthers. I, I think Dante Jackson. He might cost. I don't know what his spot track is right now. I should have looked that up before. Mm. Um, I started, but Dante Jackson, fifty-one tackles, two interceptions last year. He's twelve in his career, two hundred nine career tackles. But he's a speed guy, four point uh, three two forty time. Also has thirty-eight passes defended. I think he could be the type of guy you bring in when you also draft a guy in the second, third, mm-hmm. fourth round, whatever you want to draft in the guy to wait for Trey White to come back. I think that could be a little more expensive than like a Travis Ward or like a Kyle Fuller or Bryce Callahan. But I like Dante Jackson. And look, Carolina Panthers connection, all that fun stuff and Twitter mm-hmm. would have a field day with that. Um, I think Dante Jackson could be a great guy just to bring solidify that secondary and bring a little more speed to the outside as well. Yeah, Just to speak on Dante Jackson a little bit, Track doesn't actually have a um a market value for him again a, a website specializing in salaries and they can't figure out the market value for dante jackson but they can levi wallace um great time set throughout six years 18 million on our salary cap spectacular a couple of weeks ago i think it's a little low but this is a Don, dante jackson this is the guy who was trey white's teammate at lsu the buffalo bills were looking at him in the pre-draft process a couple of years ago you'd have to think the buffalo bills have built up a little bit of a relationship with Dante Jackson, Sean McDermott is good friends with Dave Aranda. Dante Jackson, very much more of an athlete than a, a refined football player. There are a mm-hmm. lot of flaws to his game. Um, you know, I, I'll pull up my notes on him real quick. Um, my notes on Dante Jackson, just my quick hitters. He's got speed and recovery speed, which is what you look for. Not every corner has the ability to recover. He has the ability to recover with that 4-3-2 speed. Explosive vertical. He's good in zone coverage. Where does he struggle? He struggles in man-to-man coverage. He's not the greatest tackler. Um, He struggles a little bit on in-breaking routes like slants and curls and things of that nature. But Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier, John Butler, these guys see this guy. They probably still see him as that ball of clay that he was when he was at LSU. They might be able to convince him coming off an injury to come in here and say, hey, listen, come play across your old college teammate and Trey White be a part of the best defense in the national football league and come play with an offense that has Josh Allen quarterbacking you. You have that ability in 2022 with Josh Allen as your quarterback. And this team as good as it is. And in the window they are in to maybe convince a guy to take $2 million less AAV as crazy as that sounds as crazy as that sounds. He's one of those guys where I really do think you might be able to get him for eight instead of 10 or six instead of eight. Um, You might be able to convince him to not chase the bag come here for still a moderately decent price salary that's well within market range because he knows that the benefits of coming here um, and the success he'll have coming here will be more than where he goes somewhere else chasing that bag. I completely agree. Look, you see, you said speed, recovery speed, struggles in man. He's better in zone. So look, I trust McDermott, like you said, and trust Frazier for the secondary because they've been very good at developing Levi Wallace, mm-hmm. Dane Jackson, even Trey White. I, obviously, it was a first-round pick, but they were terrible at their job. Trey White wouldn't have been as good as Trey White is. Um, and obviously, bringing in Hyde and Poyer when nobody else really wanted them. The Packers said, see it, Micah Hyde, and Jordan Poyer was just let go from the Browns. So, look, I trust McDermott, and I trust Frazier. So, I think Dante Jackson gives you, like, kind of that raw potential 
corner. And I agree. Like the, the notion that I know we talk about this, but like, people are going to want to come to play for the bills. This is not your bills from 10 years ago. This is mm-hmm. a team that is, I know they lost in the divisional round, but they're, they were two games away from the Super Bowl, but it felt like they were 13 seconds away from the Super Bowl. Like that stupid cliche, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're a game away two years ago, but they look, feel like they took a step forward this year, just missing a couple pieces. Look, you have Josh Allen playing quarterback for you. He's a top three quarterback, and he's not three. So, look, I think having the success we've had and McDermott having the success on defense, especially in the back end with Frazier, I think – Free agents, like you said, might take a million and a half, $2 million pay cut to have a chance to win the Super Bowl. Rather, him, Dante Jackson, going back to Carolina or going to the Jets. We'll get, get a little more money, but you're going to stink for four years. You're going to stink for three mm-hmm. years. Come to Buffalo, you obviously lose a million or two, but you're going to have a chance to win a Super Bowl. Also, like you said, increase your value. If you're one of the best corners on this defense, you're going to go get paid. Yeah, 100%. So, guys, that is it for our second episode of the Buffalo Blitz podcast on the built-in Buffalo network. We broke down the Siren Neal signing, coming back to Buffalo in that three-year contract. We kind of talked about some of the in-house free agents on the defensive side of the ball. This was a more defensive episode, not more. This was a full defensive episode. And then we gave you one free agent. <laughs> I, said, I said Josh Allen once. I mentioned his You name. did. You did. You did say Josh <laughs> Allen once. So you got to throw Josh, you got to throw Josh Allen in there a couple times. And then we talked about bringing in one outside Free agent judge, I appreciate you coming on. Let, let the listeners know where we can find you on Twitter and um, YouTube. Yeah, again, Monday and Thursday nights on the Cover One Sports Network. Our show is called the Air Raid Hour, um, you know, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Me and my co-host, Dave Tilton. We just like to have a good time uh, talking to football this week. Uh, tomorrow, t- well, tonight, since this airs on Monday morning, uh, we will be uh, we'll breaking down the offensive prospects that we like at the Combine. Thursday, we'll be reviewing what some of those offensive guys did and then previewing the defensive guys. And then on Monday we'll recap the entire combine. So we'll have a combine focus for our next three shows. So if you want to join us, um, I mean, you've been in the comment sections before, you know, what it is uh, we like, it's, it's not just a podcast. It's a, it's a full on multicast. Uh, we bring in the commentary of the comment section. Uh, we talk about things that people want to discuss. Um, you know, we respect everybody's input and uh, a bunch of different voices are heard. So it's a really fun time at the air raid hour. Monday, Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern time on the Cover One Sports Network. And uh, Twitter, you can just find me at the Bills Guys and at Judge Mathis. Yeah, guys, that the air raid hour I was on a couple weeks ago for the first time, and I've listened and I've watched a lot we of also, Yeah, we also, we also have great guests. It's a fun experience because I, write, I, I love doing podcasts and I love doing my podcast on the Talking Sports Podcast, but this is more of an interactive because you – Guys, you just drop drop in, drop a comment, drop your thoughts on what they're talking about, and they'll see it and they'll talk about it. So and it gives you a chance to share your thoughts without actually having to speak. So I think that's a, a great interaction for uh, Bills Mafia and all the Bills fans. So, guys, make sure you check that out on the Cover One YouTube channel. And, guys, this was the Buffalo Blitz podcast on the built-in Buffalo Network on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Guys, have a good rest of your week and go Bills. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. 
Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.